All right. So today on the podcast, we have Coach Mike Donato. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Coach. Uh, we met, what, this, this summer, I think, is when we met? Yeah, I believe it was when you first got hired or uh, had first in that process and you were kind of going around and touring the campus and obviously you're doing summer workouts. I believe that's when the first time I got the opportunity to meet you. Yeah, it's cool. We were in the weight room and I was like, the soccer coach is in the weight room? You know, that's, <laughs> that's unique, to say the least. Yeah, it's it's like almost my second home, it seems, between class and off-season workouts and in my own free time. It's like I feel like I spend more time there than I do my own house, it seems. Yeah, and we actually have a good relationship, and I'm the football coach, so that's, that's unique as well. It is very rare. It's one of the first things, like friends that I have now that coach football or people that I've met that coach in other states. Uh, so when I mentioned the fact that there's good camaraderie, not just between soccer and football, but most of the sports here between a lot of the coaching staff, they always want to pick my brain as to why that is, because they always say it's always it's usually a fight over facilities or equipment or athletes and those types of things. So I always want to know. And I always say, you know, we've gone through different coaches. And the only commonality is me. So maybe it's just me being able to <laughs> build those professional relationships or whatever the case may be. But no, it's uh, uh, it's it's a good understanding that we've always had here with a, with a lot of the coaches. And you and I have kind of continued that good, outstanding tradition. Yeah. And you did the radio for the football for a while like the, the radio yeah thing, right? uh, it was interesting how that kind of got started we started Buccaneer Sports Network uh six years ago and unfortunately it's, it's kind of uh fizzled out and not in existence as of now due to things with my personal life with you know children and then all those types of things just kind of get in the way but we started it as a necessity for the community um my, my background before I got into education was in broadcasting and television I actually had scholarships and and that's I went to, that's what I originally went to college to study and did several internships and things in high school with radio and TV. And that, that's what I wanted to do. So uh, when that plan changed and then ended up going the education route, I always kind of had this uh, secret passion for still wanting to do that kind of stuff. You know, I, I ran a DJ business for a while where I worked wedding, weddings and school dances and those types of things. And again, time became an issue of that. So when this idea came up uh, several years ago, uh, and talked to some of the guys that had done the radio before at Brent Kimball and Dave Chips and Jim Gregory and those guys and said, well, you know, we can, since West Virginia radio dropped a cannon, you know, now that we've got the technology and the means to do it, you know, we can bring it back. You know, I have a little bit of the technical know-how. Those guys knew the ins and outs. So we kind of got together and sat at the time with Eddie Vincent, who was our athletic director at that time. And we said, we researched it for a couple of months and said, here's what we, here's what we want to do. Here's what we would need. Uh, and we talked to several community members who were initially on as our first sponsors, most notably Sam Nolte there at Sam's Pizza and County Commissioner. When I brought the idea to him, he just said, what do you need? You know, he loved the idea. And we started talking to other business members and they were fully on board with it because they missed hearing uh, an opportunity to hear sports on the radio, albeit now it would have been through online. But uh, it, it came to fruition and took off in great popularity. And, and there's times I was just having this conversation with some the other day. I, I miss doing it. I miss the connection to the athletes and to the coaches and going on the road and covering a lot of different uh, activities between me. You know, it was football, basketball, doing baseball games, a couple of soccer events. Uh, you know, I, I do miss getting to know the athletes a little bit better. You almost feel part of the team to some extent. And it was weird to, or it was always nice. The fact that you would always be that connection. So if people weren't able to be at a game or somebody wants to know how a season's going, or, you know, even just talking to other media outlets, whether it's through Metro news or basketball night, you know, they'd always call and check with us for season updates. So it was always, you were the guy that kind of knew what was going on the insider that would talk to other people. So I, I do miss that relationship of it, but 
as you know, life and things just occur with, you know, a birth of my second child this past fall and still continuing my coaching career here. And just, uh, we get to a point where something has to give. And that at that point in time was that thing. So. Yeah. It's just, that's wild. Cause you, you're also the head soccer coach and you know, you're trying to do that and football. Yeah. So like what, I mean, that is, you know, that in football broadcasting, that's, that's wild. Man. Well, what's funny is that, so my, my wife always thinks that I must not like it at my house. So, or at least at the time, because oh a, a typical, my only night I would have free would be Monday. So Mondays after practice, you know, I could spend time with the wife and kids and, and whatever. But, you know, Tuesdays was always a game night. Wednesday, we did our coaches show, which we streamed on Facebook. We, it was our first video outlet we did and was a very popular show that we did on Facebook Live. And Thursdays would be a game night, Friday practice and then traveling to whatever the football team was. And my, one of my favorite stories is that I, I would I, I skipped a Friday practice and put my assistant in charge because I had a game to cover at Princeton and did the play-by-play -play for that game on a Friday night, drove back to Buchanan so I could catch a bus for a JV varsity doubleheader at Greenbrier East the next day. So um, was running on a lot of just adrenaline and no sleep that weekend. So, But it was weekends like that, too, that just said, you know, hey, maybe it's time to maybe reassess a little bit of things and what's really important to me at that moment. And again, as much as I love covering Buchanan Upshur sports, you know, my passion is with my team. And that's where uh, my second love past my family goes to is with this program and, the, and these young men that I've had the privilege of coaching. And that's at the point when you really do a self-assessment and say, you've only got so much time to give, where can you give it to? And as much as you want to be there for everybody, sometimes you just can't be. Yeah, no doubt. It's trying to, geez, have the, the balance in that that's tough yeah it's having that's not tough. just your cake and eating it too but like everybody's cake and wanting yeah. wanting to yeah. sample all the pieces and as much fun as that is it's it is mentally and physically exhausting on yourself and on your family and and it just got to a point where the, the only time i'd see my son was he was asleep you know so oh it's like gosh. at that point you're like all right it is something something has to give here and that and that's kind of where that line was now we're not we don't close the door on that and that's what people ask me all the time it's like you know is it dead is it going to come back i'm thinking well for the time now yes it was like i got two young boys at home you know i got a wife that works you know a, a very important job with a lot of crazy hours so you know it's just priorities had to come into effect so you never say never to something like that coming back but for now it's kind of something we a project we keep on the back burner for the time being yeah no doubt so you talked about being the soccer coach talk about that how long you've done that wow uh overall the funny thing is i got into coaching at the age of 19 um, I, I had, uh, I was at a period in my life where I had dropped out of college. Remember the whole broadcasting thing? Yeah. That didn't really pan out for me. So, uh, I, I played three years of high school soccer and didn't grow up around the sport. I loved it. Uh, I, I did enjoy playing it in high school, but you know, it, there wasn't it, where I grew up in Mannington, you know, you didn't have youth soccer teams or anything like that. So basically our soccer team was the hodgepodge of athletes that didn't play football or didn't play other sports. So it's, well, Hey, we need, and in my freshman year, I believe it was only the second year that North Marion even had a team. So it was, Hey, you know, we just need some guys to come out and play. And I did that for three years up until my senior year. And I, I loved every minute of it. So when the opportunity for me to go, go uh, come back and, and coach as an assistant at 19, 
you know, I took my classes, got certified and was really excited to jump in there. And, and, and I, what I tell my players now who want to get into coaching, I'm like, don't go the route I did, because that was a very difficult thing to do to go back in as coaching some of the same guys that I, I played with and try to now be in that role and figuring out, you know, what, what's my game plan here? You know, you get into coaching because maybe you had a coach that you didn't like or didn't see eye to eye with. And you always say, well, if I ever get in this position, this is what I'm going to do. And then you find yourself in that position. You almost find yourself doing the same things. So at 19, it's really difficult to really kind of make those kind of decisions in that leadership position, not impossible, but very difficult. You know, the same coach that, I am at 38 was definitely not the same coach. I was at 19 or even 25 or even 35, you know, it's a constantly evolving profession. So got into it at the age of 19, uh, was an assistant for one year and took over the head coaching job at the age of 20 and did that for two years and then took a year off to finish my undergraduate studies. And then, uh, when I finished my undergrad degree, an opportunity came up for me to teach down here in Upshur County, and they wanted me to get back involved in coaching, even though I'll be honest, my intention was to not get back into it. I wanted to, when I moved down here in 2008, uh, after, right after I got married, it was, well, you know, find a job, you know, find a place to live, kind of establish yourself. But the opportunity was there to jump in and coach the middle school team with the boys for uh, that one season I did. And then the high school job opened up the year after in 2000. So I started here in the fall of 2010 and I've been here ever since. So <laughs> that's awesome. In an age where people don't stay places long for a number of reasons you've been here for 10 years that's awesome well if, well if you think about it actually so i started no 09 is my first season here so i just finished up i believe season 13 i believe oh, wow. so yeah it's uh so it, i've got my math wrong there i apologize about that so yeah 09 fall of 09 was my first year coaching at the high school and uh it was just kind of something that i kind of got thrust into so yeah being here it's just finished season 13 and yeah i've had more bosses and ad's and principals and other teachers come and go but it seems like the one almost few consistencies here in the coaching circles in buchanan upshire high school and it seems that i've been one of them and the funny thing is is that i'm the second longest tenured coach in boys soccer history here and the fact that there's only been two coaches <laughs> when I took over for coach Hasbrook who started the program in 89 did it for that amount of time up till 2009 when he uh, stepped down from the boys program and I took over and so it's just been the two of us <laughs> so not not many programs in the state can make that claim yeah no doubt and talk a little bit about your coaching philosophy how, why do you coach? How do you coach? Well, I, I got, as I mentioned earlier, I got into it because uh, the program that I had played for was in a bit of trouble. They were needing coaches and, it, and it's still unfortunately a program to this day that has been struggling, trying to find players and coaches to stay afloat. So I wanted to go back and do my part. And, and, you know, I didn't have the best coaching experience uh, my junior season. That's why I didn't play my senior year. And, and a decision I, I regret some, but, you know, I had my reasons at the time. And, you know, you're not going to talk a 17-year-old out of anything. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 not happening. So I, it, the, the weird thing about a coaching philosophy is we, uh, good coaches all have one. I have one that's written and one that I've developed for many years. And uh, honestly, one of the best things I did that really helped mold with that was uh, a few years ago, I started working on a, my, was my second master's in, in sport coaching. And that was probably the best thing I did for my coaching philosophy because I'd taken over this program. This is a program that's been very successful over the years and, you know, produces as the three-time state championships, several conference championships, and lots of first-team All-State players, a good youth and development program. 
that builds up from the rep programs to the middle school. So, you know, it, it uh, I kind of joke with people when I took this program over, I was given the keys to a Cadillac and basically just, you know, don't, don't scratch it up. And I've put my own dings in it as it goes, but it still runs and runs really well. So uh, funny thing about the philosophy is, is that, you know, I, I kind of started out more from just a pure pragmatist level. It's like, you know, everything's, you know, cut and dry, you know, black and white, no gray areas, you know, this is the way we're going to do things. And this is it. So, um, you know, I kind of started out as the player's coach, you know, and that kind of that's the way I thought I wanted to do it. And then it became more militaristic. And then in my early 20s, and you know, it's going to be, hey, we're going to do things my way or, you know, you're not going to be part of it. And, you know, it, it's just you learn as you go. So it's a constant evolving thing. So to say that I have one strict philosophy would not be really telling of how I believe I've involved in, you know, 15, 16, 17 years of doing this, you know, since the age of 19, you know, like I said, you know, the coach, me at now 38 is not the same coach I was even at 35, you know, so through that graduate work, you really have to take a hard look at it. Because at that point, when I started that, you know, I had a program that had several division one and division two uh, scholarship players, you know, we'd won uh, several sectional and conference titles, several first team all state players, several first team all conference players. And you're thinking, well, okay, this is where it's supposed to be at. But then when you really kind of go through a program like that, and I benefit the, you know, the professors and the teachers I had at WVU, and they're just, they really make you sit and assess it. Like, okay, well, you know, this is where you're really successful, but where do you really want to take this program? Like, what is it that you really want to do and accomplish? And, you know, that was one of the biggest things, the hardest hurdle for me. And what I, my biggest change in my coaching philosophy was I really started to listen more to my players. Uh, it used to be, well, I do it this way and I'm successful. Why do I need to change? But then I actually had players come and sit down and talk to me about a few things that were in my team rules. And, you know, we talk about things like, you know, attendance and, you know, uh, how we used to do a discipline point system and everything else. And, you know, they really make you sit and assess that. And I started something, an idea I actually stole from a coaching friend of mine, you know, a leadership team where I picked a handful of players that we would meet, you know, in the off season a few times in the off season and starting the summer to start talking about you know, team goals, you know, and that's, and, and that's another thing of my philosophy. When I get into that, it's like, okay, everybody in the state has the same team goals. They want to, you know, win a tournament. They want to win sectionals, win regionals, qualify for states. Okay. Everybody wants to do that. So let's not look at, okay, let's win the section, win the region. What are the things that really is going to take us to do that? So we looked at it from an analytical standpoint. So that's been a big part of my philosophy the past few years is that, okay, we know if we do A, B, C, and D well, we'll win more games. So let's look at what those specific things are. You know, how much percentage possession we have, how many shots on goal we're able to do, you know, how many goals that we can give up on average to make sure that we're going to win most games. You know, almost kind of like a baseball approach to it a little bit when you're kind of looking at sabermetrics a little bit. So start to incorporate that a little bit more. But the biggest thing was, was putting down my guard and quit trying to be that, you know, overpowering figure that says, well, hey, you know, I've, I've got the experience in this and this and this. I know better than you. You're going to listen to me. And that was a hard thing to do. I will be honest. I'll be the first to tell you that. But the biggest change was, hey, you know, I've got great guys. I've got smart guys. I've got guys who've been around the sport sometimes, some of them longer than me. And why not listen to what they have to say? So it was sitting down with those guys in those leadership team meetings and, and taking things like team rules and everything. And say, okay, let's go through this. What do you like? What do you not like? And having those open, honest conversations helps with the buy-in. And those guys are my, that's my accountability team. If we got, and that's why part of the reason I think we're so successful is not necessarily we draw more talent or we get more numbers. It's just, we get guys that buy in from the start because they had a part in it. They had a say in it. So they know that, Hey, you know, if you're a freshman coming in or you're a first year player, you know, this is the Buchanan Upshire way of doing things when it comes to boys soccer. You know, we, we, we have 
ethics and rules and guidelines and values that we stand by, they're not set in stone, but you know, we still have a certain standard that, you know, you're going to come with us. And it's not that it's you come with us or we, you know, we're done with you. It's like, Hey, we're, we're going to shape you and help you out. You know, you want to be a part of this team. Well, it's more than just being a member of the team. It's how you, how you, uh, you show yourself in the classroom, things like, you know, we value attendance and grades and, you know, just presenting yourself on social media. You know, those are things we check regularly with our athletes, what they're doing on there. And, and the guys know that, and they're very cognizant of it. So when we get new guys to come in that maybe don't see that eye to eye from the starter, you know, you know, some players are, they'll just want to test you and say, oh, well, you know, coach, every coach says that or whatever it is. So I'm still going to do what I want. Well, no. And then you've got players that will step in for you and say, well, no, hey, this is how we do things here. You know, why don't you come learn from us and we'll show you what to do. So that's the thing I'm most proud of with the philosophy is that now it, it takes a lot of work off of me. And nobody has to be the bad guy. It's that we've got a great family dynamic that guys want to be a part of. And guys, that I just had a sophomore come up to me today who took it, played his freshman year, took this year off. And told me how much he missed it, missed the family, missed the Karamar, and didn't talk about anything about wins and losses, but just missed being a part of that team. And that's what I love to hear out of those guys, because now he's already talking to me about coming to summer workouts and wanting to be when the practice schedule is. And that's the stuff that gets me excited anymore. That, that's the part of my philosophy I love. Have you ever read the four disciplines of execution? I have not, no. Oh, man. When you were talking about goals, you were talking about lead measures, like things that you can assess right so mm -hmm. a lag measure would be did we go to states right so we're, but a lead measure is what did we what did we do to get there yes so shots on goal the things you were talking about do you track those do you huddle to track those do you have like a it, statistician how do you it's a bit of both so we have them set in the beginning of the year so like i they're posted in the locker room we have you know, offensive things and defensive things and team goals, you know, that we set in there that all lead to that exactly what you were talking about. So uh, the thing with soccer is, is that, you know, we really, we work with what we got. So, you know, it, yeah. I, you know, me and my, my staff, we double as statisticians and, you know, my, cause my assistant keeps our stat book. I go through those and then I, I tag all the huddle films. So whatever stats we get from huddle is because I'm going there and tagging it. So, um, and I don't mind it. That's the funny thing. Like people ask me, it's like, why don't you get a huddle assist? I'm like, well, I'm going to watch the game film anyway. And it's like, this actually makes me pay more attention if I have to really track the data and the statistics. So we look at, you know, we look at odd things like, you know, did we give up any free kicks in our defensive third of the field? You know, because again, that's a, that's a measure, that's a measurable thing. And say, well, if we're not, that means we're not fouling and we're not giving up easy scoring opportunities, you know, things like, you know, how many, you know, we less than, you know, try to give no yellow cards in that game. So we're, we're playing a tactically sound and smart game. You know, we have a season goal of course of no red cards, which we've been able to keep for several years, which is great. Um, we have a goal that we don't want to give up any PKs, but yet that always seems to happen from season to season. So, um, you know, we did talk, we, and I tell, I'll tell you the same thing I tell the guys all the time. I was like, this is an imperfect game because there, there is no timeouts. There is nothing that you can reset. It's basically the whistle blows and you're playing for 40 minutes. So you've got to learn how to execute and move on the fly. So we're, we're never going to have a game where we're going to possess the ball all the time. We're never going to have a game where, you know, we're going to have all the opportunities. So the biggest thing I tell them, well, I tell them all the time is, you know, 
it's a game of opportunities. We're going to give some opportunity. We're going to get opportunities. We're going to give up opportunities, but what we can control is the quality of that opportunity. We can build ourselves and, and, and possession and movement and communication. That's a big thing for me is the communication to where we can give ourselves more quality opportunities and give them less quality opportunities. So it, it's a lot easier to win a game when you're only giving up maybe two quality chances on goal, as opposed to six or seven or eight. So they're going to get chances, but, can we lessen the quality of that? That's something within our control that we can do. Like a control the controllables type thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we control this. We can't control a yeah. lot. Yeah. We can't control all the time. And the thing with our sport is the fact that it just moves and changes so much that you have to really adapt on the fly. And it's a, it's a great, it's a great thing as a coach and a great thing for a player as well. And the biggest thing I preach to my guys is that, you know, in, in the size of our field, I can't, you know, there's no stoppage to where we're calling a play and changing. It's like, you know, the, the time's still going. So if they make a change or an adjustment, or if something occurs that, tactically for us, you guys need to be able to see that on the field. You see it from an angle that we don't. So, you know, and that's the biggest thing. And, you know, at a halftime, you know, my halftime is probably 19-year-old Coach Donato or 20-year-old Coach Donato. We'd be bringing guys in the half after, you know, being down a couple of goals and, you know, berating players. And, you know, it's like, oh, you need to play better. Well, and then when you kind of think about that, it's like, okay, well, how do you play better? What is talking about, you know, those actual tangible things you can tell me as a player. And I looked at it from a player's perspective. It's like, well, you tell me to play better. I'm like, well, what do I need to do? Right. Okay, well, let's now, okay, let's step back and reassess here. So now the very first thing I do at the half is I go to some of my key captains and, and center position players. I go to my goalkeeper. I go to my center backs, my central midfielders. I'm like, okay, what are you seeing out there? It's like Coach Brandish and I, my assistant, we have already talked and assessed things. Now you tell me what you're seeing. And then we always go over that together that first minute in that 10 minute halftime and say, okay, here's what we need to do. So now we're getting it from, you know, assistant coach's perspective, head coach's perspective. And you look at it from your key positions on the field. And, you know, and you have to build that trust and relationship and know that it's guys that, you know, I always tell them that you have to build and communicate and what's best for all and not just best for you. So if I have a, a say of a forward position player, a striker that is, only going to tell me, well, we need to do this to find a way to get me the ball. Okay. Well, yeah, they have a great perspective of the field, but okay. Is that really what's going to be best for us? You know? So I need you don't just to communicate to your midfielders when you know you're trying to anticipate a pass, you need to be communicating all the time so that we know what's going on, you know? So it's a, it's a hard practice to do, especially, you know, with teenage guys getting to communicate in the way that we need to, to be successful, but uh, we're learning. And they get there, and we've seen vast improvement, especially with this senior class coming through here in this next year. And you're also a strength coach here. Yeah, so <laughs> I am. Talk. So you talk. You're. You talked about your on the field, you know, tactical. Talk about your weight room philosophy. How do you build that? Because you're. Yeah. You also. Also have a degree in strength conditioning, right? Well, my degrees, I have, well, my undergraduate is health and physical education, Fairmont State. And I have okay. two masters. I have a master's in school health and a master's in sport coaching education. So, uh, no, I did not go the biomechanics route. I, I've, through my sport, your sport coaching, you do get that exposure to train and to, to get that, you know, the NSCS certifications and all those things you'd need. It just didn't really decide to go that route. It's something I could have done, but didn't, but, you know, is what it is. Uh, but no, I, it's, it, coming from a kid who was out of shape, overweight, not the healthiest kid growing up, you know, so to now 
almost the complete opposite of that, trying to make sure that you set that example and help lead through that way to show that, you know, what the benefits of the weight room can do. Yeah. I, when I, uh, when I started teaching here, I took over the weight room early my second year teaching here. So, you know, I teach the fitness conditioning classes and then now I work with some of the programs after school. You know, I've always helped out and volunteered with it, you know, especially with some of the other football coaches. I know when coach Stokel was here, he always liked to have to me come in the first day when the eighth graders would come. So it was, you know, uh, you know, come give them a tour of the weight room, show them what the equipment is, go over some safety things, some of the communication that we use, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. So it's something I've always helped out with here for the many years that I've been here. And uh, yeah, and it's really cool in the fact that now we've built such a good culture with that. We're seeing several programs and not just sports programs, but just average students that want to come in. I, during my session yesterday, we had two kids from the esports team coming in and wanting to get a workout. And I thought that was fantastic. Love seeing those guys down there. Uh, good mix. I worked with the softball team last, yesterday as well. So getting, you know, some of our female athletes in there as well. And it's just trying to break down a lot of those stereotypes that come with strength training and especially with strength coaches, you know, we're, we're not all bald and have beards and, you know, those types of things. So even though, a lot of them do. And I'm, and I'm saying that with, I'm saying that with love to all my other friends that are strength coaches that are bald and have beards, but it is, it is kind of a coincidence, but, uh, but no, just to really help them understand and know that, you know, most people think of a weight room, they think of just lifting heavy stuff and trying to get bulky muscles and that kind of stuff. Well, no, that's not what we're trying to do. It's like, we are going to come up with goal specific uh, ideas and things that are going to benefit for what it is, not just for your sport, but we want to help you out long-term, you know? So, and, and a lot of them see the benefit of that, you know, and it was weird, like you said, with being the soccer coach, you know, it was really one of the first ones to really get another sport in the weight room consistently. And when I would start doing my programs in the spring and into the summer, you know, and I, since I worked here, I told all the other athletes because football already had their thing going on. So I'm saying, you know, telling the baseball guys, telling the basketball guys, you know, and in the female athletes as well, I'm like, Hey, you know, and our girls soccer team too, would start showing up too. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be here from this time to this time. You know, if you've got, you want to come in, I said, boys soccer will be here but i tell you what you're more than welcome to come to and we we had some pretty good attendance with that as well and, and surprisingly the past two to three years i mean our soccer numbers have been down a bit based on our standard but attendance in the weight room percentage has gone way up so you know in a roster of what we had i think 20 or 21 this year we were averaging you know anywhere from 12 to 17 on a daily basis coming in so when you look at it percentage wise you've got 70 to 80 percent attendance you know that's fantastic so and it just goes back to the buying of those guys one of the questions i i told the leadership team and this is it sounds simple when you when you say it but when you say it out loud it makes sense i said guys how do we get our weight room attendance up and every single one of my seniors and captains looked at me and said oh, we got to be there i'm like well, there you go. You go, the rest will follow. Yeah. They set that example. Guess what happens? You're incoming freshman. All those guys see, oh, well, you know, you know, this is our, you know, starting center forward or starting center midfielder and our captain, our leader, you know, they're going to be here, you know, three days a week. You know, I probably better be there too. So, Coach, but that's awesome, man. Uh, I would love a nugget for somebody looking to get into coaching. I always ask this question on my podcast. Yeah. What is, what is uh, something you wish you knew? Don't start at the high school. <laughs> Don't start. At night. No, I, the biggest nugget I always give. And I, cause I, I, a lot of my former players will reach out to me that want to get into coaching. The first thing I always tell them is that, you know, read as much as you can study as much as you can look at what people that have done successfully and find a way to get it to fit your style. And then the other thing is I always tell them, it's like, start younger 
I don't regret the steps. Like you never try to regret anything in your life, but I don't regret the steps I took in my coaching career because I don't think I would be where I'm at now. Um, but with that being said, if I knew if it was something I was going to want to stick with and do, I obviously would have started like, you know, my son plays, you know, U8 soccer. So maybe I would have started coaching at that level. So that way I have a baser understanding of the sport and maybe some of the more basic skills, you know, and then that way that as a, you know, as a player, you know, my son, you know, just turned seven, I'm not going to throw him on a high school team because developmentally, you know, and size wise, obviously he's not ready. So it's almost kind of the same in coaching to where I think you really got to start from that youth grassroots area to really have a respect for the sport and, and learn the patience that has to come with it and, and seeing those successes. And, and the reason, you know, like in most youth sports where we don't keep score, we don't worry about playing games. All we worry about is development. That's good for the coaches too, you know, because now you don't have that pressure of, well, you've got a game to win. You've got a tournament to win. You know, it's, hey, just worry about developing players. You know, don't worry about the wins and losses. Don't worry about your record. Don't worry about your legacy. Don't worry about trophies. Don't worry about any of that. You know, learn and respect the sport. Learn and respect the craft because there is always something new to learn. And uh, there's, always, there's always a new person to talk to. Oh, and, and I love sharing these ideas. I love talking to people about it. And like I said, I'm 38. I've been coaching almost 20 years. I, I, like I said, I spent a lot of time in, in, in a master's program to learn more and develop. And I'm still learning stuff. I still love to read, find out, you know, just listen to find different podcasts and things online. Great follows on Twitter, you know, attending conferences, listening to speakers, finding the TED Talks and learning more because there's always something you can learn. You know, whether and it's not even sport related. A lot of the stuff I've been focusing now more is just pure athletic development, just as, a, as an individual finding, you know, reading things about the brain and learning about, you know, how to overcome stress and stressful situations in sport. And a lot of the studies that have been done in that, that's been the stuff that's really been fascinating me uh, for the last year. And then, uh, you know, so you can always find something, but yeah, start from that level, just like you would with a, a, a kid. You're not going to jump them into an expert level. You're going to start them at a beginner's pace. And coaches really need to do the same thing. So for new coaches out there, that would be the biggest thing I would say is put yourself in just a fun, low pressure situation, learn the game, learn the craft where, hey, you don't have to worry about winning that game on Saturday. It's, you know, learn about learn about the ancillary things that people don't think about with coaching to where now you got to talk about short and long term program development. What are your relationships going to be like with any stakeholders? So you're talking about with in a school setting, you'd be talking about administration, athletic directors, other coaches, you know, those types of things in, in a club or recreation setting. And in, in both ways is, you know, building that relationship with parents and knowing how to have those honest conversations. There are coaches out there that are too brutally honest and, you know, don't worry necessarily about feelings when it comes to talking about what type of player they're starting to develop or whether some coaches that can't be honest with players or parents that want to be that nice person and say, well, you know, if, you know, you haven't developed to where you're at and then, but can't have that honest conversation. Like, and it's a hard conversation to have, but you learn all that at that younger age or at that younger developmental level and then learning and then developing as you go. You know, and, and like the path I took was very difficult. It was very hard. I went through a lot of hardships at that young of an age at, at that high of a level. And like I said, it, it made me better. But again, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Like, you know, fine go start a young, you know, find yourself in a less low pressure situation, find, find your love and passion for the game. You got it. That's the reason why you probably got into it in the first place. You know, coach, thank you for coming on. Hey, I love it. Appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you for sharing and, and your first class. I appreciate you. <laughs> thank you.